Welcome to the Contract Lens Podcast brought to you by Malbec. In this podcast, we have conversations with contract management thought leaders and practitioners about everything contracts and its ecosystem. On today's episode, we talk about digital contracting and transformation for legal departments. To discuss this, we are joined by Richard Noe, Managing Director at Valenta BPO, a firm focused on process consulting, digital transformation, and outsourcing. Prior to joining Valenta BPO, Richard spent the past 15 years at British Telecom, including time as the general counsel for their Americas region. He is focused on helping businesses achieve sustainable, profitable growth through embracing technology and digital transformation. So now it's time to relax, grab a glass of wine, and let's talk contracts. Well, uh, Richard, welcome. Thanks for for joining our, our podcast today. Yeah, thank you very much, Kevin. It's really good to be here. Yeah, I um, I, I'm excited to talk to you based on uh, an article that I uh, was able to read that you wrote, um, talking a little bit about digital transformation within legal departments. And I thought we'd be lucky to have you as a guest on this podcast. And um, I thought it'd be good to sort of start with a brief understanding of, of your background as it relates to legal operations and sort of why you're passionate about this this topic. Yeah, sure. Um, I well, so currently I'm uh, working in in for for Valenta and managing director there, and and we focus on process consulting, digital transformation, and outsourcing. Um, but if you uh, look back a, a few months and and really years, uh, I was in an in-house legal department. I was most recently the general counsel for British Telecom in in the Americas. And we went through a lot of transforming, not only the the company, but helping our customers transform, and then looking at the legal department in the context of both of those transformations. And that's really where I started getting very excited. Um, I went through a a, a program at at, uh, MIT uh, called Digital uh, Transformation for uh, Organizational Design, and, and really started to reflect on how is it that the legal department needs to manage its transformation in the context of broader ecosystem transformations? And it's just been a fascinating area. Um, and uh, so, so I've been lucky to have had that experience and uh, it, it's something that uh, remains a, a top interest of mine. Very, very cool, very cool. Um, yeah, and I think that's a good sort of segue to my million dollar question is, you know, when you think about you think about legal and just traditionally, I think probably fair to say they're, they're stragglers in, in the way of technology adoption. Um, I'm just curious if you think this is a valid assertion and, and if it is, you know, why do you think that's the case? Yeah, I, I agree completely. You know, I, I think te- technology is inherently forward looking and legal is historically and hopefully won't always be inherently but is historically backward looking. And and that's because as a profession, we tend to look at history and we tend to look at precedents and and laws are made because things have happened in the past and we're trying to deal with consequences in the future. And so when you try to put legal and technology together, they they just don't really gel. And it's something that the profession really needs to focus on. How, How do we make that shift? Um, and it's also a straggler when, uh, with regard to the, the finance departments and the HR departments. You know, finance 
was the first out of the box with uh, adopting um, uh, technology solutions. You can think about Oracle and SAP and, and so forth. And then, you know, HR has, has done it with, with Workday and so forth, sales with uh, Salesforce and, and other CRM. And, and I think legal is catching up. Uh, certainly, you know, the, the, the likes of uh, Malbec are, are a key example of that. Um, but, but it's really that uh, legal tech that is starting to bring it along. Even if it's a laggard, it, it's starting to hit its pace at this point, I believe. Yeah, no, that's, it's interesting to think about it. You, you, you think about our modern business environment and, and just some of the technology solutions that are, that are out there. Um, I mean, why, why do you think that, that legal technology is becoming a focus uh, based on the way business is being done today versus maybe what it was like even three or four years ago? Well, I think a lot of it is that we have no choice. You, you know, everything's going digital. Uh, you, you can't have a legal department or, or even an external law firm sort of sitting in, you know, glorious analog isolation um, <laughs> when the big corporates are all going digital. Uh, you have digitally native companies that are already there. And a lot of the startups even, you, you know, they're, they're looking at Shopify. So, so they're, they're digital out of the box as well. And, and big corporates, I think, um, have led the way to, to a large extent, pushing the marketplace, which itself is being disrupted, uh, not only substantively with, with LPOs, but also through legal tech. And so, you know, it's really the, the legal environment doesn't have any choice but to uh, swim along with, with the river. And, and, you know, it can't, it can't, go, against, uh, it can't go against the current. And that makes that makes perfect sense. When I'm, I'm when I was reading through your your paper right, in digital transformation, I was thinking that this term is sort of a, a general term, the idea of digital transformation. But I'm just curious when you when you think about that term when you're writing this this paper, specifically with legal departments in mind. I mean, what what do you what do you want legal professionals who are looking to make changes? What should they be thinking about in terms of, of digital transformation? I mean, what, what should that mean to them as we look ahead? Yeah, well, I, I think it is important to set a, a broad baseline. You know, when, when you look at um, digital transformation, you're really talking about legacy institutions transforming from an analog environment into a digital environment. I, I mentioned earlier on the, the MIT program, um, and, and, and they have articulated five building blocks. There's an operational backbone, which is really about a digitized uh, operational excellence. You know, once the, the backbone is digitized, it, it's, it's end to end, uh, you know, digital. There's not a whole lot of human involvement. You then have a digital platform, which is about rapid business innovation. And you also need shared customer insights, which is about iterative learning. You have an accountability framework that comes with that, which is about how do you engage uh, the, the, the corporate governance? And then you're able to look at external uh, developer platforms, which you can think of like the, the Apple store. And you know, legal departments really need to understand that that is what the ecosystem is transforming into. And a lot of them um, have to begin to align with those broader uh, you know, transformation efforts. And, and it's really beginning to think more about how do they ingest technology um, 
you know, more deeply, whether that's robotic process automation or artificial intelligence or conversational AI, whatever it may be, the departments really need to be thinking about that, that broader ecosystem change and how they can participate in that in, in a more effective way. It's so interesting. And I'm thinking about um, something you mentioned earlier in this conversation, just to, that it, it's, it's almost like the, um, the understanding from the broader business around the need to invest in legal technology is, is just sort of coming around and you rattled off some other departments where it's already sort of been there, like sales and uh, you, you mentioned HR and I actually come from a, a background of, of HR technology and, and that was always something that I would hear from HR professionals that, that for whatever reason, the business is finally recognizing there is a impact to the bottom line in investing in HR technology because it impacts you know, people's uh, happiness and attrition and all of that. And it's, it's all, it's all linked. Right. And um, it seems like that's happening with legal now where they're, they're getting the attention of, of, of the uh, people with the purse strings and CFOs. Um, I'm, I'm trying to put, put my, uh, put my, my arms around why that is. I mean, why do you think it's now coming around where CFOs are actually, um, you know, giving the legal department more budget to do what they need to do? It goes back to that, that, uh, that island of, of, analog isolation, they, they recognize that um, you, you can't sort of have the legal department uh, sitting there and not integrated with, with the whole. And, and rather than um, giving the legal department budget, I think what's happening is there's a broader discussion about transformation and legal is taking advantage of that, that broader spend. When you look at the spin that has to take place, um, you know, to bring legal along for the ride, it's, it's really a fraction of, of what you would look at if you're looking at transforming, you know, HR or finance or, or operations. Now, of course, it depends on the industry segment, but there, um, there's so much funding going into that. And because legal ties in from lead to cash, and you really need to reflect how the business is operating across that. Um, it's not a large incremental investment uh, compared to the, um, the, the inefficiencies that you would get if they didn't make that incremental investment. Yeah, no, that, that, that makes sense. And, and I think something you said along that line in, in, your, um, in your white paper that uh, caught my attention was the fact that the contract itself can be used as, as a lens into the business operations, right? A digital transformation. I was just curious if you could expand on that a little bit. I, I love the concept of that. Yeah, so the way I view it is there's sort of three pieces to a contract, right? You, you have the legal piece, the technical piece, and the commercial piece, and, and they each have their own audience. The, the lawyers are gonna be legal, and, and you can kind of think of that almost as a, so what represents that? That's a Word document that you wanna mark up. The, the, the technical piece is really about the engineering, and, and that's something that you don't really want to mess with because you start tinkering with the engineering and it, draws, it, it drives up cost, it becomes non-standard. So you can think about that like as a PDF. And then you have the commercial element, which is really where most of the negotiation should happen, and that's really around pricing and the commercial model. And so you can think of that as an Excel uh, spreadsheet. 
And when you look at this, you, you can sort of take the, the lens of how it's going to operate. You can look at those different audiences and you can really make sure that each of the audience is focused on their particular uh, area of expertise and start to disintermediate the lawyers from marking up, you know, a service description or getting into the commercials um, and, and disintermediate the consultants from getting into, you know, discussions about indemnities and, and warranties. And, and it's really about looking at that overall process end to end in order to, uh, you know, kind of have a holistic approach that really achieves what both parties ultimately want which is a service or a product that, that, that works. Right, so it, just even, even thinking about that, you know, just more tactically, if, if I'm a general counsel, um, head of legal at an emerging company and I see the need to make, a, uh, you know, to make an impact on, on, on legal technology or to make some changes, I'm just curious the, the importance of sort of taking a, a, a big step back Right, and, and spending the time to analyze sort of what, what what's what's going on now with the current state of things. Uh, what sh what does the end to end contracting process look like now? What should it look like? I mean, how important is that to really take the time to sort of map it all out and just take an honest assessment of where we are now and what the ideal state should look like? Yeah, I I, I think I think it is uh, important, you know, to take a step back and and um, I think when you look at what's going on in the marketplace, you you've had a fundamental shift um, that was really driven from the hyperscale players, at least on the technology side, where you you had a period of time that um, uh, you know uh, there, there was a lot of big scale outsourcing that was worth you know hundreds of millions in some cases. And, um, and, and, and what happened is you had a, a transition and transformation. So you, they, the, the, the customer would transition the risk over to the supplier, and then the supplier would have to transform into their systems. And what happened with um, the likes of Azure and AWS and, and, and Google Cloud and, and those sorts of players is that the, um, the, they, they said, look, we're, we're building these hyperscale environments. You're welcome to participate, but you're not going to tinker with what, you know, with our engine room. And, and, and frankly, we're, we're only going to negotiate to a certain amount uh, the, the, uh, the, the terms and conditions as well as, as the pricing. And so that really pushed the CIOs um, uh, to say, you, you know what, we actually don't want customized environments. We want standardized environments that actually work. Right. And, and that has driven a uh, quite a significant change in perspective uh, within the market. And I think that's something that any legal department needs to step back and say, look, you, you know, what does the business want? They, they don't want lawyers spending a lot of time arguing over things that are never going to get litigated. Uh, mm -hmm. They want something that's going to help them grow efficiently and, and work. And so it's really important to step back and recognize that, that shift in the marketplace and, and go along with it rather than try to fight it. No, that's great. That's great. You know, I'm thinking too, uh, prior to our conversation here, I, I was excited to, to, have, to have, a, have an opportunity to get some insight from you because I know in your article you talked about it's clear you have a lot of experience with multinational corporations, but I, I know in your current role, 
um, you know, you're more focused on that, that mid-market space, if you will. And this is something we think a lot about here is just the differences between, um, you know, what, what legal, um, legal operations professionals care about at a mid-market company versus an enterprise company. It seems to me that the advent of technology um, and making it a little bit easier to uh, adopt technology is sort of leveling the playing field in some ways for at least smaller to mid-sized organizations to compete, um, you know, at least in, in the legal function. I'm just kind of curious to know, given your experience and what you see ahead, how, how, how do you see that as different, the enterprise focus versus the focus at a, a mid-enterprise, mid-market size company when it comes to legal technology? Yeah, so I'll, I'll answer that in, in, in a couple of ways. First, it used to be that, you know, decades ago, that the large corporates would drive technological change down into the market. Um, we've seen that shift, and now consumers are driving the change up into the corporate market, right? Mm -hmm. So um, mid-sized companies really are right in the middle and take advantage of, of both. Um, now, in, in a mid-sized company, clearly you have less legacy to deal with. You, you, you're, you're, you're more nimble. You don't right. have to uh, be as concerned about... Uh, you know, you can take advantage of public cloud offerings, for example, um, without having to think about how do I migrate this large private cloud estate? And so there's so many options. And, you know, again, like Malbec is, is a perfect example that is very compelling. And it's actually at a much lower risk profile um, you, you think about how, uh, you, you know, not, not necessarily the, the mid-sized companies, but how the consumers are consuming technology, and there's a real benefit from that, and I think that that is flowing up into the change as well, um, and so mid-sized companies are, are really well positioned to really um, feed off of the momentum created by larger companies, mm -hmm. but really take advantage of it in a much more nimble way and, and be cost competitive and, and really be able to achieve sustainable, uh, profitable growth from it. No, that's interesting. It's, it's a near and dear topic to my heart. Um, I, I personally am focused um, a bit more on, on the mid-market and how to provide value to them. Um, and one thing I notice is a lot of times they are, um, they're investing in technology in the legal realm for the first time. And then specifically with contract management software, we find often that, you know, they don't, they don't know what they don't know, as opposed to maybe the exact opposite end of the spectrum with a large enterprise company. They may have a procurement team, they have, may have a defined buying process, um, you have to find all of their, all of their needs and, and have it all sort of mapped out. That's not the case in the mid-market. And um, sometimes we struggle when it comes to services and implementation and uh, you know, how to advise them as wh where to start, how to get that initial framework, um, you know, how not to bite off you know, maybe more than is needed in a phase one. I'm curious what you think about that for, for organizations of that size who are doing something for the first time. How do you keep it in scope? How do you keep it in bite-sized pieces? Yeah, it's a good point because it's very easy to boil the ocean. And, and I think um, you, you, you do need to, um, I guess there's a consultative uh, element to it where you, you really need to start with the process that they're trying to improve. And, and you need to put a scope around that process <clears throat> so that you're not um, boiling the ocean. You're not talking about, well, well let's you know, look at the process across the entire company. 
Right. You, know, okay. you start with, um, for example, contract management or, uh, you, you know, the, the, the procurement piece or, or the sales piece. But, but you take a, a bite-sized chunk and it starts with the process. From the process, you start to identify what are the tasks. And then you want to look in your toolkit and say, what tool most efficiently can perform this task? And sometimes that's that's a human, a lawyer, a paralegal, uh, a, a salesperson. So sometimes it's um, it, it's 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 robotic process automation. Sometimes it's an it, it's an AI tool. But you really need to start with that process clearly defined in scope, and then say what's the best tool to use to accomplish each task along the process. That's great advice. That's great advice. You know, along that line, um, you know, something else we hear pretty consistently is just that there's a need to sort of speed things up and, and executives are, are wanting the contracting metrics to, um, and they want to see an impact in how, how fast it takes to get, uh, get things fully through the cycle. Um, that seems to be different to me. And you, you did mention something about this in, in, your, in your article, which resonated, which is the fact that in the old school was sort of, you know, the long drawn out legal negotiation, which is sort of expected, where now the pressure is on to, to just move these things through. But you know, how, do you, how do you measure that against or weigh that against um, you know, risk, risk mitigation, risk management, um, finding that sweet spot? Yeah, well, I guess there, there, there are a couple of ways to, to manage, you know, sort of speed to contract. Um, and there's uh, sales velocity and things like that, um, that, that uh, you know, you can find on, on, on the web. Um, just sort of formulas for, for efficiency. But when it comes to risk mitigation, I, you know, the point I mentioned earlier with um, you know, the hyperscale players and, and also looking at um, how is it that you procure standard services. When two companies are um, engaged in a way that is um, more standard than customized, then the likelihood of something going wrong is decreased, right? It, it, so where, you know, organizations, and this is why it's important to really for the, for the legal profession to sort of step back and think, what risk am I trying to mitigate? Is, is it likely that you're going to have some sort of uh, litigation where an indemnity is going to be very important? And, and do you want to really burn, you know, two weeks on, on discussing that and how, you know, the, the liability limit uh, ties into, you know, the, the data privacy and, and all these things that are very important, um, but take time. Or... Would you rather just buy something that is proven in a standard package under standard terms and let the business decide on where that risk lies? And, and so I think it's important to um, recognize that what businesses want to do is grow in a risk savvy way. And that does not necessarily mean risk averse. It's inevitable that you're going to take risk. You just want to be savvy about it, and and the lawyer's role should be to enable that. Yeah, so I, I think I think really uh, technology then, if if done properly, it really does allow you to, to find that find that middle ground where uh, you can you can set it up up front so risk factors are taken into consideration, uh, the way you set up workflows and approval flows, while also um, 
posting on speed once it's implemented. I think that just allows you to run faster, but with some constraints that are already sort of pre-built in, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's not about let's just you know throw the guardrails away. It, it's, it's more about how do you set up the governance and, and the, the, the risk profile once at the beginning and then stick to that profile and, and, and deal with exceptions um, rather than trying to redo it every time. And when, when you're doing very customized deals every time, like used to do in, in, in you know, the old days, that made some sense, but the economics were completely different. The technology was indifferent. And, and, um, and you, you know, it, it's it, times have changed and, you know, set it up once, make sure you're comfortable with it and then let the technology, uh, uh, you know, operate as it should. Absolutely. Well, I think too, that's a great, a great segue too to another point of curiosity that I have. And this is again, kind of near and dear to my heart, which is, you know, there, there always seems to be sort of this natural uh, push-pull relationship between legal and sales, right? Sales wants, wants it now and wants it done. And, and they're thinking, gosh, uh, this stuff's never going to happen. Why are we arguing about this? And legal's doing their thing. And uh, it, it seems to me that, um, you know, sales leaders identify this as being a top frustration. And, and I think legal folks do on the other side. And do you think that this is just sort of a natural opposition? Or I mean, do you think something can be done even outside of technology to you know, better cultivate that relationship, make it a little bit more symbiotic? Um, does technology help this, hurt this? What are your thoughts on, on that sales legal push-pull? Yeah, I think it doesn't have to be that way. You, you know, sales and, and, and their, their, their counsel are on the same side and, and they both want the same thing. Now, uh, the, you know, the, the salesperson may be paying more attention to, to governance and, and to, you know, some of the things that are uh, third rail type issues, but but the, the, the sales people really want to get the deal done for the benefit of the company as well. And, um, you know, I think we're in the middle of the, the process within the marketplace of um, using technology to redefine the role of the participants in the whole lead to cash process. And there will be some give and take. But, but I, I think, um, you, you know, as long as there's an agreement up front, probably in a, at an executive level of what are the swim lanes? And, and you know, if you go back to um, the, the point that you have the legal, the technical and the commercial structure of the contract, um, you know, the salespeople should be focused on what's the commercials of the deal and, and what is that P&L going to look like. Uh, they shouldn't be tinkering with, with the, uh, the engine room um, and, and they, they shouldn't be you know, debating what's going on with indemnities. Um, so it, it's really about finding that balance and recognizing that we can use technology to alleviate a lot of those pain points, but, but we're really all walking in the same direction. Yes, and I think too that um... It aligns with some of the feedback that we get from from GCs and, and heads of legal that um, just who have adopted technology, and I mean more or less that the feedback is that not just with sales but with other parts of the business that it actually allows those factions to become more of a meaningful part of, of the process and and do some of the heavy lifting along with legal as opposed to 
sort of the old way where legal was sort of the bottleneck because there are over here on this island. It seems to me if you can figure the technology up front properly and figure out where everyone's roles sort of factor in, um, you know, you're, you're actually approaching it more as a team like you, like you just mentioned. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, frankly, I, I think commercial attorneys that are dealing with, with contracts, um, you know, a, a lot of what they do, and this isn't to, you know, put fear into commercial attorneys, but a lot of it can certainly be handled by technology. And, and the salespeople can use that technology in a way that is perfectly acceptable to corporate governance. And right. what that does is it frees up those commercial attorneys to focus on things that are more forward-looking rather than, again, looking backwards and trying to protect the current environment, thinking about, okay, so what technology is coming down the, the pathway? Should we be looking at um, supply chain uh, and, and how are we going to deal with, uh, you know, the, the intellectual property coming in to supply chains and negotiating how we're going to handle APIs? And, and a lot of this sort of shifts to dealing with supply chain rather than dealing with the customer side where technology, uh, you can use them on both sides. But, but it's really taking that broader perspective of the business end to end. Yeah, you know, and some of the feedback I've gotten from, um, from sales reps who have now started to use a contract management system, for example, as just one, one part of the, the legal technology landscape, just visibility that was never there before. And, and it, it immediately sort of um, quiets that natural sort of um, issue between legal and sales because they're not, they're not having to do what they had to do before, which is constantly call legal, where, where's my contract? Where is it it's sitting where approve? Who's got to approve it? Just purely giving sales reps and sales leaders that visibility using technology is uh, in, in itself just a major win. And, and I've gotten feedback, um, as I mentioned, along that line fairly consistently. Yeah, I think anytime you put the tool in the hands of, of the user, um, you're, you're going to have a, a, a you, you know, sort of a fundamental shift in, in you know, the benefit of the tool. Um, and, and I think that's a, a you know, perfect example of, of, of that right there. Definitely. I'll tell you what, one, one topic I'm, and I wanted to say for, for the, uh, you know, as we, as we sort of wind down here that I'm very interested in your input on is, is the, um, the scary topic of, uh, of AI, artificial intelligence, as it impacts um, technology and specific to legal departments. I mean, do you, do you believe that the worries of AI sort of removing the need for legal professionals and people into this are, are founded? And I mean, how should people think about that? Yeah, I, you know, it's, it's uh, I, I like to, there's been a, a term other than artificial intelligence or augmented intelligence. And, okay. and to me, it's something that will help reach yes more, more, more quickly. And um, a lot of what AI will end up doing or task, it's a tool for a task that um, most lawyers would be happy to, to give up so that they can focus on more interesting things like how to address broader risks and, and, and how to structure it to, to allow for, for growth and you know, all the regulatory changes and things like that. So it, you know, the, the fear of uh, AI is not unique uh, to, to the legal department. Um, and I think the best way forward is to understand it and, and then embrace it. And um, a lot of the things that will alleviate 
uh, and, and a lot of the things that the AI will address is probably some of the, the backwards looking things that legal has, has been focused on for, for a long time that we spoke about earlier. And that will allow uh, you, you know, lawyers to focus on um, how to create more efficient tasks and, and uh, how to be more innovative and focusing on what they really can put their expertise to. And it, 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 yeah, it sounds like your 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 advice is is really just just you know take a step back and then be open to AI and and it really doesn't have to be anything more than you know supplementation of of, of legal function in, in a meaningful way and, and really helping helping to make things more efficient for the human element. Really, I mean that's the way I see it. Yeah, I mean if you go back uh, what what probably thirty years now, um, you, you know senior partners at law firms were, were afraid of email, right? And now we're probably all afraid of email right now because <laughs> of so much of it, but, but, it, but it's inevitable and, and you just have to embrace it. It's a technology, it's a tool. Um, it, it's not going to take over the world. Uh, just use it in, in the way that um, is best suited. Absolutely. And for the record, I'm afraid of email and uh, Zoom meetings at this point, <laughs> really, from a volume standpoint. Um, so as we close out, I'd love to sort of take a step back and just, just broadly, just understand any, any overall general guidance you might have for legal departments that are looking to, to take on this, this daunting task of, of digitally transforming their, their legal team. What would you say to them? What's, what's some sort of parting wisdom, if you will? Well, I, I think recognize that um, it, it's happening, it's happening now, embrace it. Uh, make sure that you align with the business. Don't try to swim against the tide. And um, pay, you, you know, work, work with the finance department, the CFOs to leverage the broader budget spend to make sure that your, you know, your, your systems and tools are, are not left behind um, as the, the broader businesses transform. That's great, great advice. Excellent advice. Well, tell you what, this has been a, a great conversation, Richard Noe. I really appreciate your time. Um, by the way, if people want to find you some in some fashion. Uh, how do they do that? Yeah, well, there there aren't very many Richard Noe's. Uh, that's N O G on, on on LinkedIn. It's uh, not not a very common name, so they're welcome to uh, uh, you know get in touch with me there. Uh, I also. Uh, ValentaBPO.us is um, the, the website uh, for, for Valenta. And, um, you know, as I mentioned, we do process consulting, digital transformation, outsourcing. Uh, we, we also have a, a learning uh, capability uh, where we do training. And, uh, you know, we'd be more than happy to engage in, um, you know, helping, uh, especially medium sized businesses, um, increase their profitability in a sustainable way. That's awesome. And you certainly have an excellent background for this type of thing. And thank you for writing such a, a great piece with your digital transformation within legal departments article. I'm glad it found its way to us and we were able to convince you to come on and talk a bit with us today. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Kevin. Thanks for having me. It's been, it's been a real pleasure.